Que pasa, Mufasa? Buenas tardes, Arezal de On. That's good afternoon in Euskara, the language of Basque country. I'm in Donostia, San Sebastian this weekend, which is a Basque city in the autonomous Basque region on the northern coast of Spain, straddling the border with France. I've got my balcony doors open at the hotel here, so there might be some little light European traffic noise in the background. Pardon that. Before we begin today, a little bit about Basque country. Basque is the only living non-Indo-European language and the oldest language in Europe. The etymology and the roots of this language are so ancient that they can't be traced beyond 12,000 years. So the Basque language is at least 12,000 years old, probably much older. San Sebastian is one of the great gastronomy capitals of the world. They do a style of small plate dishes called pinchtos, which are similar to tapas, but in signature Basque style. And they're quite mycophilic here as well. One of the iconic dishes of the region are the angulas, which are baby eels, like little three inch long baby eels. They're often served alongside mushrooms on a piece of toast. I could do a whole podcast just on Basque culture and cuisine, but today we're going to be focusing on a different area of the world and talking about mushrooms there with one of the most prolific mycopreneurs in that region, and that is Jacob DeVecchio of Oklahoma Fungi and the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. That festival is coming up October 15th, and I am delighted to have Jacob on the podcast. This guy is a phenomenal advocate for mushrooms, an eloquent, intelligent, hardworking, and humble fellow. We are so lucky to have him in the mushroom community. As always, thanks for tuning in. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. And I especially love it when you send me a message letting me know that you're listening. And I really appreciate you all sharing the podcast episodes with your friends and on your preferred social media platforms. It helps new listeners discover the Mycopreneur podcast. This episode is brought to you by MicroBoost. M-Y-C-R-O-B-O-O-S-T. Functional mushrooms. I keep MicroBoost mushrooms on deck. I've been traveling all over the world with them. Lion's Mane Quarter turkey tail, reishi, you name it, they've got it. Functional mushroom gummies, which I've got right here next to me. Capsules and coffee. They've got mushroom coffee that I drink regularly. This episode is also brought to you by Inoculate the World, the industry standard for clean, viable mushroom spores. Hit up inoculatetheworld.com and get you some spores and mycology supplies. And finally, please consider rating this episode on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening. It really helps new listeners discover the Mycopreneur Podcast. And with all that being said, let's get down to business. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, what's up everybody? We've got Jacob DeVecchio. My man is the owner and operator, the founder of Oklahoma Fungi. What's up, Jacob? How's it going today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and yeah, I'm having a great day. I've been working on a bunch of different projects. I got a lot of things coming up like the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. So been staying busy, been staying out of the heat and waiting for the rain to come so we can get out foraging. No doubt. Well, I want to dive into the Oklahoma Fungi Festival very soon, but let's start off learning a little bit about the funga of Oklahoma because it's something that I don't have a very comprehensive frame of reference for. You're one of the most reputable and visible mushroom cultivators, educators, micropreneurs in the Sooner State. So let's just start off with painting a, a bit of an overview of the types of terrain that we might go foraging for mushrooms in out in Oklahoma and what are some of the different types of mushrooms that we're liable to find if we go out on a foray. Yeah, to start off with the terrain, I think it's really interesting because Oklahoma has 12 different ecoregions. 
So the southeastern corner is a really nice, heavily forested environment um, with lots of creeks and access to water, whereas the northwest corner of Oklahoma is very dry and rocky as it gets closer to New Mexico and Colorado. So for me, my favorite foraging spots are going to be central Oklahoma to eastern Oklahoma. And right now, specifically, the mushrooms that we'd come across are chanterelles, the indigo milk caps. We'd also come across some springtime lion's mane, even though it's summer and some of those lion's mane have still kind of held over. Uh, we may also come across some, uh, Gan- some uh, golden rishi, Ganoderma curtisii. That's uh, some of the most common ones we'd see right now. Jackpot. Those are some of my favorite culinary fungi, especially the lion's mane. And wood ears I like in ramen. I think they're really nice in ramen. Chanterelles, of course, it's really hard to top that. So sounds like you are blessed. You are endowed with quite a, a wide variety of choice edible fungi there in Oklahoma. And it also sounds like there's a rising tide of interest across the state. And, you know, it's no secret that mushrooms are having a moment and that all kinds of people are starting to explore the possibilities of, you know, of learning about mushrooms. So this is the first Oklahoma Mushroom Festival that you are producing. October 15th is the scheduled date. So can you tell us a little bit about where you are in the process of planning this festival? And please provide a snapshot of what you hope this festival is. Yeah, so uh, to begin with a brief snapshot, I think that this festival is gonna be a great way for anyone who's in Oklahoma or outside of Oklahoma to come to this event, learn about all the different types of benefits of mushrooms, whether it's applications in the garden, applications in the pharmaceutical industry or medical, also applications just in general dietary supplements, as well as how things are, um, you know, certain mushrooms are helping with mental health. And so this event is going to be very much community oriented, family friendly. We're going to have state legislators, local business owners, and just going to really try and invite everyone to interact, promote positive community interaction about mushrooms. Yeah, you've done a great job of that so far. I've even seen that you were an ambassador on the Oklahoma News talking about mushrooms. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to tap in about is you found some wild psilocybes there in Oklahoma. And I saw that you donated them to the Oklahoma Natural History Museum fungi collection. You also collected some data samples as part of your discovery. So can you tell us a little bit about that find? And maybe we can also learn a little bit more about the Oklahoma Natural History Museum fungi collection. Yeah, absolutely. So that find is probably one of my favorite memories ever. It was uh, just a, a regular old day and I'm actually at home answering questions for mushroom identification. And it's typical for people, no matter the season, to send me pictures of mushrooms and ask help for identification. But on this particular day, I got a picture of about 10 different mushrooms, and one of them just so happened to be what I thought was the Psilocybe cubensis. And so it's not uncommon for those to grow in Oklahoma, but they're not really documented due to the legality of them. And so when I saw it, I thought about how cool it would be to go out, collect the sample, and donate it for research so that way we could start to have a list of, of known sightings, a list of uh, potential potency or DNA sequencing. And um, I even reached out to Alan Rockefeller about that just to confirm that those grew in our state. And he, he said, yes, they do grow along the, the border with Texas. So I ended up driving about three hours away from where I lived uh, on a hope that I would be able to find this mushroom. And when I got out there, um, I took a tour of a homestead. It was a 60-acre homestead. 
And as I'm touring around, we're looking at all the different mushrooms, and some of them are mushrooms I'm not familiar with. Some of them are inky caps. And then we come across the one that you see on my Instagram, and it is a very beautiful, um, I wouldn't say textbook, because the coloration, is, is some people wouldn't think it's a Solosity cubensis because it's so orange and yellow instead of brown. And um, But for me, I, I feel like I really knew what it was when I saw it. And yeah, so from that moment, I took pictures, I took out my sample data form, started filling out all the information about the location, the environment, the humidity, the substrate, um, the things that were growing around it. And then from there, I collected it, wrapped it in some aluminum foil. And then, um, so the Natural History Museum has a, a list of instructions on how they like you to prepare and submit. And in that step, when actually you submit, they take it to a freeze drying process. So it goes, I believe, to negative 40. It goes to heating first, and then they take it to freezing. So there's kind of a, a dual layer of protection to make sure that nothing, no contaminants can get in to the herbarium or fungarium from the specimen that I donate. And so from that, from that donation, the university decides, along with all the other donations that they have or findings that they have, when that will go into the queue. I haven't since heard back from the Natural History Museum about that, but it is something I look forward to if our Oklahoma psilocybin research program goes through. Yeah, let's hear more about that. What's the Oklahoma psilocybin research program all about? For the past three years, Oklahoma has been trying to pass a research bill that would authorize universities and research institutions. They could access these medicines and psilocybin and psilocin, and they could do research on them as long as it was tied to a university. Well, the first year that we submitted, um, it was HB 3414, and that bill included decriminalization. And our senators did not like that. And so it passed the House, but it, it didn't get to the Senate. And it was kind of stopped there, and it died. And so we changed the bill uh, last year, which is now 20, HB 2107. And that is essentially the same bill for research bill, but it does not include decriminalization. And so now that bill actually passed the House, got to the Senate, but hasn't been moved from there. And so this House bill has two years before it expires. So we're really hoping that next year when the session begins, we'll see this bill go through and our veterans in Oklahoma can have access to this type of clinical trial or at least be more knowledgeable on the research provided. Sure, so have you actually been involved in the legislative process, rallying for signatures and campaigning on behalf of this bill? Absolutely, I've, I've been up there since the beginning. I make YouTube video updates every time there's a different change in the bill or the bill goes to a new step. I try and really put it in uh, the community's awareness so that way they can be aware of how to get involved because I think that's a really big issue when it comes to, you know, everyone is supportive, but it's about how can we get more people to be interactive with the legislators? How can we get more people to send letters? And I think that was really important. And that was something that I tried to key in on when I started posting and when I started making YouTube videos was encouraging people to reach out to their local representative, to reach out to their local senator. So that way we can get this bill somewhere because everyone liking a post and everyone commenting and sharing is great. But ultimately, if our senators aren't changing their mindsets or opening up their what they think the potentials of these medicinal compounds have, I think that 
that's how we can get a lot further. Yeah, so you're involved in a lot of these different processes related to mushrooms in Oklahoma, which is awesome. And you're a great spokesperson for it. I think that you are very eloquent and very knowledgeable and also just a really humble dude. So, uh, you know, a great representative for mushrooms out there in Oklahoma. Now, what got you interested in mushrooms in the first place, Jacob? Yeah, well, uh, actually, this all begins with my brother, Joey. My brother, Joey, and I, we grew up doing everything together, playing video games together, playing soccer together. And when YouTube came out and um, it would, you know, it, we, we first started to interact with YouTube and learn on YouTube, um, it was just something that we became fascinated by. And I started recording uh, videos, Minecraft videos, and just being, we always were on YouTube, it seemed. And one day, uh, fast forward to 2017, I come home and my brother's actually watching a Willie Maiko video. And he's like, hey, you got to watch this video. This guy's going to teach us how to grow mushrooms. And so at the time, this was before I was interested in mushrooms. I didn't, him and I, him and I actually didn't even know what psychedelic mushrooms were. Um, we weren't consuming cannabis at the time. We were just very fascinated on what these mushrooms were, what they could do. Um, we grew up in a very conservative Catholic family. So, you know, cannabis in general was new. So when it came to magic mushrooms, we really had no idea. Uh, what, what it entailed, but Willie Maiko kept our attention. And so it was really interesting to, to follow along his videos and have some success and, um, you know, to actually meet him in person and thank him for all his, his videos and his help was a real blessing. Yeah, he's awesome. He's been on the podcast before and so many of us are fans of Willie Maiko and also the way he goes about his business, you know, someone who's extraordinarily knowledgeable, but again, very down to earth, very humble, very gracious, and just a really wonderful human being. So shout out Willie Maiko, the ripple effect continues. Now I'm curious about the role of content creation in your business in an Oklahoma fungi, because I think that a lot of people who have mushroom businesses are increasingly leaning into creating content. You mentioned when YouTube came along and you started producing videos and started kind of like increasing your surface area for luck, you know, is one way I've heard people talk about content, like creating educational campaigns and updates about the bill that you're working on. And then that ine inevitably attracts a lot more interest and people curious about what you're doing. What is the role of content creation in the Oklahoma fungi business? Yeah, I would consider content creation one, one of the most important aspects of what I do. And mainly that is because if I'm not sharing what I'm doing, I'm not going to get as far. I'm not going to get as much support, whether that's support, you know, with people coming to my free education events or that support in the form of monetary, you know, people purchasing products and stuff like that. So for me personally, you know, the support is really the reason that I put out the content. So that way I can interact with the community. I learn a lot from the community. I get videos every day from people who follow me about, hey, have you seen this? Hey, have you checked out this? So for me, the, my, my, my experience in content creation has been very positive because I get a lot back from the community. Not in forms of likes and comments, but in the forms of, hey, have you seen this video? Or, hey, can you do this, a video about this? And so I, I really found that, you know, Willie's Maiko's videos were amazing and instructional. And so I didn't, my, my, my primary focus with Oklahoma fungi is about gourmet mushrooms. And so I do talk a little, you know, I go to the, the, I go to the state capitol to learn about the legislative bills and stuff like that. And I do support those bills and try and be interactive as much as I can. But the majority of my audience is actually families, kids, moms, dads, kids, grandmothers, and a lot of gardeners. And so I try and put a lot of these DIY 
slow, easy to follow tutorials out. So that way they can watch them. It's a familiar face that they're used to seeing in Oklahoma. And if they come to the farmer's market, they can see me, they can talk with me, or they can call me. And so for me, the content creation has been kind of a cornerstone of my success. And I think that it's one thing I'm really going to start building more on as I get closer to the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. And it's cool to see this new class of myco educators. We mentioned Willie Myco, but also someone like Tony Shields and Fresh Cat Mushrooms and Mushroom Show. And of course, yeah. Alex Dorr. We're big fans of Alex and Mushroom Revival and the educational programming they're putting out. Absolutely. Real Mushrooms. And the list is, is growing and growing by the day, it seems. So this, this Mushroom Festival that's coming up, the first Oklahoma Mushroom Festival, that's going to be the first festival, but you've been doing a ton of educational events. And I'd love to hear more about those. You mentioned briefly earlier you've been doing free educational outreach events. What are some of the events that you've thrown so far over the last couple of years? Yeah, so to date we've thrown uh, – I've thrown 43 different free events over the past. Uh, basically, in the beginning of 2022, I decided – Aside from making YouTube videos and posting on Instagram, what was a way I could really interact with the community and actually get the education out there in a way that people would remember instead of just watching at home, relaxing before they went to sleep. So for me, doing these free educational classes really became a cornerstone uh, for me interacting with the community. By offering these classes, I was able to learn what the community wanted, what the community wanted, like whether it's a product or whether it's, whether it's a topic that they wanted to learn about. And so since, um, like, for example, this upcoming Thursday, I'll be doing a Native Mushrooms of Oklahoma class at REI Co-op Oklahoma. And then the following Saturday, I'll be doing a class with a local nonprofit that is, um, I believe it's called Commonwealth Urban Farms. And they do um, basically soil rebuilding, regenerative agriculture in urban areas. So a lot of what I do is community interaction, free education about how to grow mushrooms, outside, inside, or the native mushrooms of Oklahoma. Yo, so one of the things that really sets you apart, I think, in this field of micropreneurs, you know, a lot of people doing incredible work, but one thing I've noticed about you, which I hope that more people can, can lean into this, is that you have a pretty developed business acumen. You have a really good sense of business, just in the interactions we've had and the way that I've seen you go about organizing the festival and all the, the different events that you do. And I'm curious, is that something that you had to develop over time? Or have you always been sort of a keen business person who understands strategy and understands how to execute? Yeah, uh, it's definitely not something that, that came naturally. Um, when I was, uh, so back to 2017, when I was in college, my brother was in college for business and I was uh, in for science. And so that was actually, you know, between my brother and from my parents, I actually learned a lot of business from talking with him, sharing ideas with him. And then, of course, you know, trial and error. There's a lot of things that I learned by going through first and then realizing, okay, maybe that wasn't the, the best idea. And so that was something that was new for me. But ultimately, with my brother's, my brother's help and my parents' advice on, you know, what they think, you know, they ever, my, my family was essentially my trial group. When I would run an idea, hey, what do you guys think of this? People would say, yeah or no. And then from there, I'd kind of change my ideas based on that. And so for as far as the business goes, a lot of it was trial and error. But I, I really shout out to my, my family and my brother for pushing me kind of to really develop a business plan and to get me more focused on the business aspect 
because my passion is for science. My, my degree that I got is an associate's degree, but it's in diversified studies. And that's mainly because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I've always loved science. I, I was interested in business, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do uh, when it came to getting a bachelor's degree. And so when I got an associate's in diversified studies, um, that was just kind of good for me. And um, yeah, so I guess it kind of works well for mushrooms because it's diversified. A lot of different things I do right now. No doubt. So I would love it if we could punch in a little bit on some of the processes or systems that you implemented to help streamline your business. Because I think that, you know, as people try to scale up a little bit or like make mushrooms an actual pursuit that, you know, I've talked to plenty of people who want to make mushrooms their full-time job. And that's what you've done. And that's really inspiring, right? There's a lot of people who are doing it as a side hustle. They have the passion, they have the knowledge, but there's this missing component of like being able to actually make money on it or enough to sustain yourself. So like, can you give us any examples of some of the challenges that you overcame and some of the processes that you implemented to help streamline Oklahoma fungi to get to the point where it is today, where you're a recognized leader in the state of Oklahoma and you're, you know, a sufficient, a self-sufficient business. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. And, um, I will say one of the, the best ways to get ahead when it comes to starting a business is or specifically a mushroom business is figuring out what you actually want to do. You know, do you want to grow fresh mushrooms for your local farmer's market? Do you want to grow them for restaurants? Do you want to just sell supplies online? Do you want to make art out of them? And for me, when I first started, I first started wanting to do supplies. I wanted to do wholesale supplies to local gardening shops. And so I knew that with my wife's travel contract in nursing, I wouldn't be able to stay at home and take care of mushrooms and grow them consistently and be able to sell them at the farmer's market. And so when I started a mushroom company that didn't grow fresh mushrooms, I got a lot of weird looks and I got a lot of interesting comments back from people. Well, how are you a mushroom company, but you don't have fresh mushrooms? And so ultimately, that's just a, a lot of lack of knowledge in Oklahoma and not understanding that there's a lot more to mushrooms than just fresh mushrooms. But for me personally, it, it was actually a way that I was setting myself apart. And as people got into mushrooms in Oklahoma, most people start with growing fresh mushrooms. And so whereas I was able to set myself apart by doing the supplies to grow stores, to novelty shops and really just trying to implement more cultivation instead of provide the, the end product to the consumer. Yeah, finding that little niche is so huge, right? And I, I recognized pretty early on that my niche was going to be media, that I was never going to compete as like a bulk mushroom grower. I diagnosed that there was a underrepresentation of mycocentric media. And so that's kind of the track I followed. And I think it's really important that people if they want to do, you know, micropreneurial venture, they want to make a business out of it that you have to realize like there is a business component too, right? Like you can have all the fun in the world you want if you just want to do hobby mushrooms. But if you want to like, you know, build a brand or build a company, there's certain kind of business principles and acumen that might be a good idea to lean into. So I'm still learning about that constantly. You know, some people are really good at it and it's, it's a process of iteration, trial and error, like you mentioned, right? So... I'm curious about the general, like the public perception of mushrooms in Oklahoma, all types, right? Because, you know, I'm from California and like I've spent time in the Bay Area. Like it's pretty common that people are interested in these kinds of things and foraging and outdoor culture. And what is it like in Oklahoma and how have you seen 
that change over the last few years since you started doing events to where you are now? Yeah, well, when I, when I first started, I, you know, being a, um, a lover of the outdoors, of regenerative agriculture, and just put, having my, my hands and feet in the dirt, I've always been really interested in tie-dye and in mushrooms and what, since I started uh, the company. And so whenever I started my um, the company apparel, I actually came out with tie-dye t-shirts. And so I had my cute mushroom logo on the front with tie-dye t-shirts. And when I started selling at the farmer's market, I got a lot of comments, people asking me if I had psychedelic mushrooms, if I sold drugs, if I was a drug dealer. Um, and so, and these, these are questions not from people, you know, playing jokes on me, but these are people who were, um, you know, a lot of elderly or senior citizens who were asking me generally because they didn't know if it was legal or not. And so for me, I realized very quickly that in order to set myself apart from the stigma that's currently attached to mushrooms, I, I actually went out to Walmart, I bought some polo t-shirts and I put my logo on the polo t-shirt. And so I really took away a lot of the tie-dye when I first started and tried to look more professional. And, you know, if you look at my logo, it doesn't some, – some people would say, oh, yeah, that's a psychedelic mushroom. But most people, when they look at it, think, oh, that's a cute mushroom. And so for me, that was really one way that I tried to set myself apart was when someone saw my logo, they didn't automatically think mushrooms are going to kill them or mushrooms are going to get them high. It was kind of somewhere in between. And as long as it was like a mutual feeling – I could then try and talk with them about how mushrooms are beneficial without them feeling like I'm going to try and convince them to eat a mushroom that might kill them. I really think it's fascinating that there have been so many mushroom festivals that are just popping off for the first time. Like you're running the first Oklahoma Mushroom Festival, and it's not just in the States. You know, there's going to be one in Uganda. Josephine Nakakandi is throwing the first African Mushroom Festival. There's one here in Chiapas, where I am, the very first Chiapas Mushroom Festival. So it's just kind of amazing that all of these things are happening concurrently, that so many people have answered the call and have kind of de devoted themselves to this cause. And it's it's just kind of all happening simultaneously, which is fascinating. So let, let's talk about some of the mushrooms that you have grown. I know that you said your primary interest, you know, is the education and doing the various picks and shovels, you know, grow supplies, et cetera. But I'm sure that you've grown quite a few types of culinary mushrooms, too. What are some of your favorite mushrooms to grow? And are you currently growing anything right now? I'm not currently growing anything right now. I, w I wish I was, but I've been out of town for the past couple of days, so I don't have anything in rotation. But typically something like an oyster mushroom or lion's mane or even piapino. I like using piapino because a lot of people think it looks like the Psilocybe cubensis. And so I post that and people get, you know, like, oh my gosh, she has psychedelic mushrooms downtown taking pictures. And so I think that's a really good, uh, you know, if you're starting a business, you're trying to get attention, use a mushroom that is legal mushroom. But most people don't really know what magic mushrooms look like um, aside from the random pictures they see online. So You'll get a lot of comments, even if they're legal mushrooms. Are those psychedelic or are those magic mushrooms? The piopinos are great. I like those ones a lot. And as far as like preparing mushroom dishes, you know, I like to make lion's mane ceviche. That's a super easy one that I really like, right? It's like some lime and chop up some mango and jalapenos in there and kind of like treat it as a seafood substitute, like it was fish or crab or something. And really simple tacos. I make lion's mane tacos. I love cooking. I, I made some lobster mushroom omelets yesterday because I went out foraging and we hit a jackpot of lobster mushrooms. 
I found some rusalas that I cooked with my eggs today. So I'm not like a very creative chef, but I do like to cook with mushrooms. What are some of the dishes that you like to prepare when you cook with mushrooms? Yeah, well, some of my favorite are just to shred up, um, you know, whether it's lion's mane or king trumpets and marinate them for tacos. I think that that's super delicious. I also really like sauteing lion's mane and oysters and adding it on top of bruschetta. And that, that's a delicious snack as well. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, whenever it's morel season in Oklahoma, every dish that I eat has morels, whether it's a, an omelet or breakfast. This year we had some ramen. Um, last year we had pho. So we're always trying to incorporate the locally forged mushrooms into the local food and trying to figure out how to just try these different flavors and, and understand the, the flavor profiles of the wild forage mushrooms versus the indoor cultivated because they are a little bit different. Yeah, they are for sure. And the morels, man, that's something special. I remember the first time I ever had a morel dish and it was at a restaurant in Little Italy, San Diego. And I don't know what compelled me to order them, but I was flabbergasted with the texture, with the flavor, with this idea that, you know, it had a really substantive uh, composure to it. Like it was like I was eating some kind of really like a miracle meat that I had never had. And I just remember being blown away and then wanting to learn more about them after that. So anybody who hasn't tried morels, you got to get out there, try to find some, you know, tap in with Jacob or any other number of educators because it's special when you find them for sure. And let's see. Other, other things I wanted to dive into right now. Ooh, so I had a question about, you've run 43 events and lots of educational events across Oklahoma. I'm curious, have any of your students gone on to start their own mushroom businesses or to become further involved in mushrooms? Yeah, there's, a, there's actually um, two people that have gone on to make their own mushroom businesses and are actively selling at their local farmer's market. And it's really, really, it's a great feeling whenever you can help people and or just even inspire them. And these two, these two individuals actually just came to a class. They were already interested in mushrooms. They, um, they attended the class one time, and after that, they just kind of took it on their own and went ahead and started growing and selling at their local farmer's market. And I applaud them. It's amazing to see people to, you know, really take the initiative and go after it. And that was one thing that, you know, when, when I first started, being in Oklahoma, there wasn't access to someone to go and learn from. And so, you know, being in Oklahoma, the closest place I could go you know, was, you know, really out to Colorado or down to Texas and learn from people who are online in the community. And so for me, the way that I got around that was actually by um, doing consultations. And so, you know, I think that as a business owner, there's a lot of people who don't see the value in consultations early on when they're starting their business. But for me, I was actually looking not only for, for mentors, but I was looking for ways to, to kind of Get, get to making money faster, get to getting the processes down a little bit quicker without the trial and error. And so for me, Mike Tyson Mushrooms was the account that I came across. And I started having twice a month meetings with Mike Tyson Mushrooms uh, back in 2021. And so, you know, without, without him saying that, you know, he was willing to consult and, and teach me about what's, been made, what's made him successful, that was really a cornerstone in how I was able to not focus on production as heavily and kind of focus on the marketing. And so it was really nice to be able to find someone who's good at what they're doing, pay them what they, what they think that they are, is worth their time, and then from there work together on how you can develop your own brand. And so for me, being able to help people do that in Oklahoma or even just inspire people to go and start selling at their local farmer's market 
or even at the bare minimum to just start growing mushrooms for themselves, that, that brings me happiness. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do it. Shout out Mike Tyson. I love that dude. He's such a good person and just so philanthropic, you yes. know, supporting different causes. He's been so helpful to me and supportive, like since the get go of the podcast. And I'm pleased to call him a friend. So big fan. And it's funny still, sometimes I'll be telling a friend or someone about, you know, Mike Tyson this, and then I have to clarify that it's not the same Mike Tyson you're thinking of. I'm sure he gets that a lot, you know? It's like, no, it's the mushroom Mike Tyson. It's not the boxer, but yes. it's always kind of funny when, you know, I forget that sometimes people don't know who he is, even though they should, because he's done incredible work. So who are some of the other mentors that you came across? You just mentioned one, and, you know, f for both of us, I'm sure, when you're getting into the mushroom space, you look towards these other people who are established, who are, you know, you're vibing with them, that whatever they're doing is resonating with you. And there's a whole bunch for me, but I'm curious, who are some of the inspirations in the mushroom world that have helped guide you to where you are today? Yeah, so I, w I would say, you know, the very the very beginning, uh, kind of unknowingly, Willie Maiko was the first to kind of put me on this mushroom path. You know, even though Oklahoma, mush Oklahoma fungi, we don't do anything with psychedelic mushrooms because they're not legal, he still kind of put me on that path to thinking about mushrooms in a way I hadn't before. And so after Willie, I would say that Mike Tyson mushrooms was honest and still is honestly the reason I've been so successful early on in allowing, um, you know, getting his help and him uh, being able to teach me on how I can interact with different community members and host these events and what's fair for pricing and stuff. And then from uh, Mike Tyson mushrooms, I had the opportunity to meet Will, William Padilla Brown at MycoFest. And since then, we've kind of chatted a little bit on Instagram. He came to Oklahoma City and um, we kind of, we, him and my wife, we all went out to breakfast together and we've talked a couple of times at other festivals. And so I would say that he, for me, is really pushing the envelope for the community. And so when I see Will go out there and go to these different events and talk about these interesting topics that really should be brought up, I really applaud him and he's someone that inspires me every day to keep going. And so I would say Willie Maiko, Mike Tyson Mushrooms, William Padilla Brown, those are the top three inspiration when it comes to the Maiko community. Oh, I love it. I've had all three of those guys on the podcast and I've had Will twice and I just got to see him in Denver and he is truly a force of nature. He's such a unique individual. Uh, he, he is not afraid to push the envelope and he has the results to back it up, which is just a really impressive sort of overall persona that he that he has. And I, I have a great respect for his body of work that he's put out, you know, being maybe maybe literally writing the literally writing the book on cordyceps in the United States. Right. And like being one of the first people to tap into cordyceps and like translating Thai YouTube videos to do it. Total autodidact, you know, just like self-taught and very interesting fellow and a great person to hang out with and to learn from and uh, big respect to Will and to all three of those guys. Yeah, for me, I've talked about this quite a few times on the podcast, but Trad Cotter was a big influence on me towards my early years of like actually getting more into mushrooms. I've been involved and interested with psilocybes for many years. Those turned me on and converted me, if you will, after my first experience all the way back in 2006. And it's really incredible to see the journey that we've been on, you know, just, it was, it was kind of in the blind spot for so long. It wasn't something that was socially acceptable to speak about outside of little echo chambers and niches. And all of a sudden now it's everywhere. You've got Oprah talking about it, right? And we just had a 12,000 person conference in Denver where it was one of the primary subjects. 
We've got research bills in Oklahoma. We've got legislative bills in Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been an amazing ride. And I still have to sometimes think like, wow, how did we get here? Like, it you know, just seems to have come so fast from the underground into the mainstream. And I'm really grateful that people like you who have the solid head on your shoulders and, you know, your priorities straight and very humble person are in a position of leadership as we start to roll out the the mainstreaming of mushrooms. And, you know, I, I like to say all mushrooms are magic, too. Of course, the psilocybes are very interesting for a lot of reasons. But I think that there's so many other mushrooms that I want people to start paying attention to and learning about. And like the, the rabbit hole goes so deep and it's, it's truly fascinating. So let's tap into circle back to the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival right now. If people want to get involved, let's say there's, you know, a myco brand, there's a mushroom brand out there, a mycopreneur, maybe somebody in the area, somebody in Texas or somebody who's willing to jump on a plane. You know, what are some ways that people can support the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival? Yeah, so, um, you know, a couple of the different ways that we're offering, you know, for sponsors, um, you can, you know, send in product, you can donate money and have a booth. There's a lot of different options depending on, you know, if you live in Oklahoma, if you live in California, most of the time those, those sponsors or, or donors aren't going to be able to make the event. So in return, we'll send out festival t-shirts and stickers and promo items. But for anyone who's wanting to attend the event, we're going to have VIP tickets, foray tickets, and general admission tickets. And all of that information is on okmushfest.com or oklahomamushroomfestival.com. You could type in either one. It'll redirect you to the same link. But ultimately, it's a one-day festival filled with education. There's going to be six different workshops. There's going to be education opportunities and lectures. There's going to be lots of networking, lots of on-site food trucks with mushroom-infused food. So... If you have any questions about it, of course, you can reach out to me if you want to be a sponsor or you want to be a volunteer or even just want to attend. I'll be rolling out more details over the coming weeks. Epic, man. That sounds absolutely epic. And I have no doubt that it's going to be a sensational event. And you've got 43 other events under your belt to you know, help bolster the success, the forthcoming success that is the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. And it's awesome to be able to so it's awesome to be able to watch you manifest this thing and to, to create it and to execute. So I'm, I'm standing in awe watching you in your element as a master craftsman of uh, event, event design and um, event production. So kudos to you. And I know that we're still three months out. So a lot more info is going to be forthcoming there. So last question I have for you today, Jacob, is above and beyond this festival and the various pursuits you're involved with, which are myriad, as we've seen, including the legislation of the psilocybin research bill and various other events. You've got your REI collaboration coming up, the educational event there. What are some of the other areas of focus that you want to invest in over the next year for Oklahoma fungi? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of different things. One of them right now that I'm also trying to juggle at the same time as the festival is actually writing the first ever Oklahoma mushroom guide. And so this is, there's never been a Mushrooms of Oklahoma guide written. And so there's actually um, a, an op room for opportunity for me to write a guide and be able to sell it at the festival. So people who come to the first festival can, can buy the first guide at the same time. And so I'm hoping that I'll be able to release that um, on the day of the festival, if not before. But if it gets pushed back a little bit, that's all right. I'm not worried about it. But um, I'm really looking forward to to, to I guess it'll be the first um, guide that I've written or I any type of publication that I'll have, but it'll be called Mushrooms of Oklahoma. 
and it'll be the poisonous mushrooms, the edible mushrooms, the most common mushrooms, and it'll also include the native Psilocybe cubensis, so that way people don't get those confused with other mushrooms. And I think that's really going to be really unique to my guide is that I will include that mushroom in there because it doesn't matter if it's psychedelic or not. It deserves to be in the guide so people don't eat it thinking it's another mushroom. Awesome. Super important work. Thank you for the clarification and distinction between mushrooms because, yeah, you know, there's that old adage that all mushrooms are edible, some of them only one time. And I just went out foraging with my friends and, you know, I'm fortunate to be, be around people who know the local mushrooms in my area very well because, yeah, like some of them are delicious. I had my delicious russula mushroom this morning with breakfast that smells like almonds and growing, you know, 10 yards away from it was a Amanita death cap or, a, you know, phalloides. And I just think that it's really important that we have more people educating the you know consumers and educating foragers because it can be a very safe very wonderful pastime as we all know but education is super critical to ensuring that you have a healthy and a safe experience uh, and that goes for foraging and also for just consuming mushrooms that people are offering you and i mean i would say that alan rockefeller and um, joey from crime pays botany doesn't you know their willingness to push the education on the on the online platform has really encouraged me to make more content about about mushrooms in my local area and so i think that you know when you when you look at the the community online if we can try and recreate that in our local communities the whole mushroom community whether online or in person we're all going to start getting a lot more advanced a lot further in cultivation techniques and in dna sequencing as long as we're sharing information working together there, you know, we, we all, not one of us has the answer, but together collectively, we all do. Absolutely. Amen to that. That's a beautiful note to end on. So Jacob DeVecchio of Oklahoma Fungi, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's been a pleasure hosting you and we'll be rooting for you and looking forward to seeing the magic that you create with the Oklahoma Mushroom Festival. Yes. Stay tuned. Uh, check out my Instagram, Oklahoma Fungi. We're also on YouTube, Oklahoma Fungi. And yeah, if you have any questions, holler at me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast and look forward to catching up soon. Much love. And that is a wrap. Thank you for sticking around to the bitter end. It's very sweet of you to commit so thoroughly. Don't be a stranger. Let me know what you thought of this episode and please consider checking out the substantial backlog while you're at it. You can reach out to me via email, mycopreneur at gmail.com or hit me on any of the numerous social platforms that I'm currently active on. At Micopreneur Podcast is the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all very much for sticking around. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you back here next week on the Micopreneur Podcast.